Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing on this Saturday morning? Good, man, good. Had a couple rounds of games last night. Got some games today. Uh, Yeah, it's weird getting into this, like, all right, you got to start paying attention to, like, almost every day of the week now <laughs> like because yep. there's something happening um and yeah i mean i'm, I'm obviously texas gonzaga is, is the day we're recording we we're not going to preview it because it'll probably be you know game time by the time uh it tips off but we will talk about it after afterward during the week but yeah it's starting to get into like really big showcase games now yeah this this whole this whole weekend i i have it in our schedule um i don't remember i think the texas women play stanford as well yes over mm-hmm. the weekend on Sunday, I believe it is. Yep. So yeah, it starts getting starts getting real. You know, you had those Tuesday games where it was a lot of nah, not so great games, and now we're in the in the position where teams are starting to roll and starting to figure it out. Um, granted, only what five days into the season at this point, but still, right? Yeah, still. So pl- still a good amount to talk about here. Uh, I'll try to keep this a little shorter of a podcast for those who listen to the first one. I was a little longer, try to touch on everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Still going to talk about most of the teams that played, but, you know, leave out some of the, the teams that played like division two schools and blew them out. So right. um, I went to the Texas state LSU game last night, mm-hmm. um, a game that um, I know you were at high school football last night. So um, yeah. you can watch, but, I mean, you've seen plenty of this Texas State team throughout the years, and it's basically the same team as last year. That was uh, kind of my main takeaway. Uh, they end up leading LSU at halftime, 37 to 32. Um, and then LSU kind of comes out in the second half and wears them down. Texas State's offense kind of just falls by the wayside, and LSU was able to really just start pushing the pushing the pace. And LSU is a tremendously athletic team on both ends that can kind of force turnovers and just really has solid defensive personnel and then gets out on the break and they just run. So uh, once it got, uh, once it got going, once the ball got rolling for LSU, it was hard for Texas state to stop, but man, I just, I left that game feeling really good about Texas state. Really, really good. Like if it's not an LSU team that, I mean, this is an LSU team that won their first game by 60 and I know it, mm-hmm. it was Nichols, but it's a division one team. Like, to go toe-to-toe and lead them through 20 minutes said a lot about Texas State and just how uncomfortable they can make opponents. Or it was, uh, it was ULM, I think it was, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, it was ULM. The women for LSU played. Played uh, Nichols. Okay. Nichols. Gotcha. Yeah, I get that confused. Yes, ULM. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Texas State. as Mason Harrell, really good. Isaiah Small, obviously, really good. I mean, they're, the center rotation is still a little worrisome for me. Mm. But overall, I, I just really liked – what I was, what I was able to see from Texas State and their defense and just the pace they played with. Obviously, it was super slow. And after the game, I asked one of the forwards, I was like, you know, what was it like to play one of the slowest teams in the country? And he said, annoying. 
And <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much what I could sense. Like that's what it felt like. So um, that's really going to mess teams up in, in this, in the Sun Belt. Yeah. I think that when you looked at that first half, you could tell, and I, you know, I was, I was kept track is what I could on the, you know, watch, listen to the radio broadcast. And then all of obviously following kind of your tweets, you could tell that the, the limited amount of possessions just made it really more frustrating for LSU because <clears throat> LSU wants to push the pace and just kind of get up shots. And when you're, when you're having half as many possessions as you're used to in a half, like, and you're not hitting exactly from three or you're not hitting from the field as often as you want to. And Texas state perfectly fine playing that tempo is maximizing every possession they're getting. Like it can get really frustrating when you're not, you know, a lot of, a lot of the up-tempo teams, a lot of people think that when you play that style, it's just about, Oh, they can just score a lot of points. It's like, well, not really. It's like you can also miss shots because you're going to get another shot, right? That's kind of the the benefit of playing that tempo. And when you slow down that tempo, you mathematically you get less shots. And so, unless you're shooting 45 plus from the floor, you know it's it's going to be like, all right, we're, you're kind of on the back foot. Unless you're a team that's used to playing that way, that knows, okay, we can maximize. And I'm sure you saw this too. Um, Texas State's motion offense like they will take so much off the clock if it makes sure that they're going to get that right shot and so uh they're they've been playing this style for god almost seven eight years now going back to Casper this motion offense where they'll walk the ball up the court and then they'll just screen you dribble drive you and just absolutely carve you the craziest thing is LSU pressed the entire game the entire game just tried pressing them and getting them sped up the first half and even for even the second half, even when it got a little out of hand, Mason Harrell and that, they just were not rattled, rattled yeah. though. Like I, I tweeted this. I was like, LSU has been trying to pressure them and, and Texas state just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Texas state looks like they're just like, all right, let's just throw right. the ball, throw the ball <laughs> over here, throw the ball over here. Like take eight seconds to get past half court, run the offense for 20 seconds, shoot it with two seconds left on the clock. It's not going right. to be a great shot every single time, but um, they shot the ball well from three. They ended up only shooting six of 18 from three, but they probably went, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they probably went like four, 10, four, four. I think, no, it was five and nine in the first half from three. That's what it was. Mm. Uh, and when you're, when they're hitting like that, then it becomes really tough. Cause Isaiah small is, is really, really good. Like really mm. solid. Um, Caleb Asbury, I thought was really solid. Um, Mason Harrell was great. Will Wade after the game was like, yeah, Mason, uh, the point guard Harrell just gets them into everything on offense. And so yeah. on defense, LSU denied him a lot more, you know, tried to take the ball out of his hands. And once that happened, then it became more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there are some questions about, you know, creation outside of Harrell to a degree, mm-hmm. I think, but man, he, he was really solid. And then at the the center position, you know, Caesar was fine. I it was tough for him because LSU does have one seven footer at center, and then when they take him out, they bring in like a six nine guy that's also really big. Sure. Um, but I mean, and and Texas State's the last thing I'll say is Texas State's kind of the depth is a little worrisome off the bench. That Martin, the center they bring in, isn't bad. He's not actually he's not bad at all. But um, the guard Dawson, the guards Dawson and Drennan were. Eh, they were okay. Uh, three points between both of them mm-hmm. in uh, 11 and 12 minutes. So, you know, they're not Mason Harrell. It's going to be a lot of Mason Harrell, Caleb Asbury, Isaiah Small, and Shelby Adams. And we knew that going in. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. shocked by that. And I'm 
I'm, I leave that game just saying, all right, Texas State is going to be really, really good. Right. Yeah. I mean, credit to LSU for finally, you know, getting things going. Um, I believe they shot what under 45% the first half and then like over 60% the second half, like they just got going. And then of course playing at home helps a lot. And they, they just, they were able to kick things up and Texas state couldn't hit as many shots. That's partially because of LSU's defense uh, getting kicked up a bit. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, credit to them for, for, for getting it going in the second half, but and that's kind of, I think that's kind of where we'll see TJ probably grow as a coach, right? It's like those second halves when your team does need to have kind of a plan B or a little bit of a counterpunch, you know, what happens then? Um, I think that you mentioned Drew Drennan. I think he's definitely not a scorer. I think he'll definitely be strictly more of an initiator, second initiator. Uh, I, I think there was some hope that he could be a scorer off the bench, but I think through a couple of games, even going back to the scrimmage against, uh, I think it was St. Mary's, I couldn't remember. Uh, when he started over Mason Harrell uh, for an injury, um, I think it's going to be clear that he's more of just a rhythm kind of, you know, just keep the offense flowing. Yeah. Uh, now Texas State has Vanderbilt, Dixie State. Uh, I think they got a tournament, and then they finally return home November 24th on against uh, Letourneau. So that'll be their first home game. It was funny. After the game, Will Wade said uh, T- TJ uh, wants to uh... – call it like a football game a little bit he wants to be like all right you run your offense so right you set our defense and on the other end we run our offense you run your defense huddle up yeah yeah exactly exactly that's what he, that's what he like that's what he compared it to and i thought that was a really good comparison because that's what it kind of feels like so right um well it'll be interesting to watch them moving forward here um but another another game i left so i left the lsu uh, basketball arena and i checked my phone and mm-hmm. I'd been texting someone about this. I texted you about this as well. Uh, Texas A&M and Abilene Christian, I knew had Oof. gone to double overtime. Yeah. And I should have, I should have made this the game of the day ish. I, sh- I should have, we'll get into SFA Houston later from the women's side, but uh, <laughs> right. that was not the game of the day. <laughs> to be fair, I, me and you were not high on this A&M team. Right. We're not high at all. And no. so, well, granted, I don't know anyone who's high on the same team. So in our defense. <laughs> right. Well, I, I honestly thought like Abilene Christian could have just straight up just won the game, honestly. But um, I mean, with Abilene Christian's play style, obviously, we knew this was going to be a kind of tougher game. Uh, but for it to go to double overtime yeah. and for AM to win 81 to 80. And AM was up at half, 28 to 20. Abilene Christian comes out, scores 41 points in the second half on Texas AM. Force overtime. And then AM pulls it out by the skin of their teeth at the very end. Um, just you know, we, we could just go through the box score and just yeah. talk about A. I think it is a good result for Abilene Christian. It shows Abilene Christian is going to be competitive, albeit I don't know if they I don't know if they can replicate what they did against Texas last year. You know what I mean? Like the ceiling, I think we talked about this on the preview pod. I don't know if the ceiling's as high as it was last year, but they're still just going to beat up everybody. Like sure. everybody they play is just going to feel it. So uh, where do you want to start with, with this? I mean, you could start with Reggie Miller and Aaron Simmons having nine and 10 rebounds, all five, seven of Reggie Miller, however, you know, however tall he is. I mean, they, so they outscored AM in the paint, which I think is alarming if I'm the Aggies. 
Um, because now, even last year when they had Colton Cole and, and uh, uh, Joe Pleasant, they weren't a big team. And this year they're smaller. And so they're outscoring you in the paint. I believe they're matching you on second chance points. Um, I don't know. They're, they're, they're beating you in points off turnovers. Again, a escaped this game, right? Like that's kind of how you have to put it. They didn't really uh, – th- looking at looking at how this game kind of flowed, especially that second half where, you know, uh, uh, ACU what's, shoots 50, over 50% from the floor. And I don't know. I, I come away with this game. I come away from this game definitely more impressed with ACU. Now, to AM's credit, I did have questions about what was left on this team, right? Like Andre Gordon's like the only – big contributor that's been there since uh, Buzz Williams first year. And so like he has a team high 17 points, things like that. I don't know. Um, but I, I, there's, I don't know. You could look at this and just say, okay, what's, what's kind of going on with AM here. And that's kind of how I'm going to look at him the whole year. Right. That's what we had kind of had going into the season was like, what's, what's kind of the deal here. The, I mean, you kind of, you mentioned it, but I mean, Damian Daniels, 5'7", Reggie Miller, 5'11", whatever he is. Um, Reggie Miller's not 5'11". He's like, he's like 5'11". List, you listed as six foot. Reggie Miller? Yes. That is, that is like NBA combine. Listed as six. Flats. Damian Daniels is five, listed at 5'7". No, no offense, Reggie Miller. You're, that dude is not, that dude is not six foot. This is, hey, this is a... <laughs> Are you saying are you saying I should put six foot on my driver's license ish? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I will no offense, bro. That is not a five. That is not a six foot dude. I'm just saying he's listed as six feet tall. So um Damian Daniels plays 43 minutes, one of seven from the field, nine assists, two turnovers. Um, and Texas AM, man. The thing is. You kind of mentioned it before we started. Obaseki and Wade Taylor play five and eight minutes. Those are your two, two freshmen. Neither one produces very well. Actually, Wade Taylor had four turnovers in eight minutes. Good Lord. Um, and those are two guys who I thought needed to come in and actually be decent contributors for this team this year. Not mm-hmm. saying they need to be great, but needed to do something. Uh, but it is all going to fall on Henry Coleman. Um, it is all going to fall on Marcus Williams. It's going to fall on Andre Gordon. And I think between those three and then you throw in Tyrese Radford as well. I just don't see a way in which those four are going to consistently win games in the SEC. Like, and like the, the other thing is, I mean, Adam's a defensive team. Like Buzz Williams is a defensive coach, right? Like gotta be something. <laughs> well, I'm yes, just saying like yes, historically right. Buzz Williams, that ice defense has been, that's his calling card and granted ACU too. Right. But ACU is the under uh, theoretically the underdog. So they're, of course, they're going to be the ones to kind of get out of their system and probably, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they had to score 80 points. Right. Cause they're not, they shouldn't be expected to shut down an sec team when they get into the, to their division, their conference, of course, like they'll be holding yeah. games to 50 and 60, but A&M should be the team that we should be like, are they letting them shoot over 50% in the second half? And then 50, I basically don't get below 50% in the, after the second half completely like overtime, second overtime, like ACU scoring and it has to be kind of a track meet. That's kind of my concern is like, okay, you bring in Buzz Williams, who's notorious for having a pretty strong defensive teams. And now you're in year three and you're struggling to stop people. You know, again, ACU should, it, a- go ahead, ACU go should never drop 41 and a half. 
Right. No, like they, they don't want to drop 41. <laughs> like, like they're like, like if this was Joe Golding last year, you know, Brett, who knows Brett Tanner might have some different uh, uh, philosophies, but I don't think they're too different. Um, but if this was last year, Joe Golding's probably pulling his hair out. Like, why are we having to score 40 and a half? Like, yep. And it, it, I mean, it is a Avalon Christian team that without, um, I'm just looking at their starting lineup. They started steel at center. Yeah, I mean, with without even Colton Cole in the middle, you know, it's it's a team that I'm really interested to see because I I just don't I I think that they're gonna be perfectly fine now. And I I, I went into this game and I thought Texas A&M would win it by like 10, 15. Sure. And they were up eight at half, and then Avalon Christian just kind of turned it on. It speaks to the returning talent that they have, and it speaks to the experience they have the uh, veteran leadership. And that's one thing I learned last night, you know, between Texas state and Abilene Christian, that these, these old teams are going to give these younger and in, more inexperienced teams problems every single time. Mm-hmm. And that's just how college basketball works, especially early in the season. So. I will say for AM, we're not, I don't think we're going to, cause they're not, their non conference schedule is not very tough, right? Their tough game comes against Wisconsin, the 22nd, and then December 11th against TCU, and then December 18th against Oregon State. And that's kind of it. Everything else, Tulane, New Orleans, Houston Baptist, Corpus Christi, Central Arkansas, right? So, like, they could very well go into uh, – let's put it this way. It's for me to be more optimistic than where we have been about AM, if they go into non-conference, like, with two lo- – or conference, excuse me, two losses, three losses, Okay, then you've taken care of business, and I'll start to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Because this, like, like I said, TCU is going to be interesting. Wisconsin is going to be interesting, but like other than that, this should be a schedule where you're going in with, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, one, two, three, four, like ten-ish wins going into before you get into SEC play. And if that's the case, I'm curious to see how their numbers look, how they're holding teams, how they're kind of molding, and then I'll start to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? But if it's wins like this, where it's like. I don't, you're completely out of your element, but you're scrapping out a win and kind of escaping, then it's kind of a different story, right? Yeah. So. I don't have anything else in this game. Um, I am, I don't know, Texas a and I'm, re- I'm really, I'm just really fascinated to see how the season goes. Like, Yeah, I, it's, all these are just little tidbits of information. We still don't have the big picture on any of these teams yet, but it's yeah. fascinating to watch unfold. All right, let's, kind of uh, speed round it through uh, the rest of these men games. We'll give our uh, quick takeaways on all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with, I just had the score up and I lost it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston Rice, a game that I honestly thought was going to be closer. And Rice just proved to me again, mm-hmm. you can't trust Rice. Oof. Oof. cannot trust rice for anything so I mean, what, are, what did we say if they're not hitting threes they're, they're ain't gonna win and that's exactly what happened <laughs> it didn't hit anything they shot 28 percent from the field yeah 28 percent from the field rice you are I, I know houston made a final four last year houston's all this all that um but this isn't i don't even think i don't think this houston team a is as good as last year's team um, and B, even if it was Houston's team last year, I mean, you can't score 15 and a half, man. You're, yeah. you're, when you return everybody, uh, Travis Evey, uh, Quincy Olivari, Max Fiedler. I mean, we know who's on this team at this point. I will say, I think Max Fiedler got into some, it looked like they got into foul trouble, like a lot of those dudes. Cause like Max Fiedler only had like two points. And well, so like, 
he played 22 minutes. And so like, I wonder if it was just like a rhythm thing for him where he's just like, he can't play, he can't play really aggressively in any way. And like, he's sitting down for a lot of the game. And so honestly, credit to Houston for getting him into foul trouble, but still, I think it had to do honestly, with that. I don't, I don't care. Rice, <laughs> rice basketball. I go into the year and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not even saying they have to set the world on fire. I right. think I had picked them at, I think I don't have this. I don't have our predictions from me. I mean, we're, we're optimistic about we're them. We're pretty fairly. optimistic about them because yeah. they return everybody. This is kind of a big year for Scott Perra, the head coach. Like mm-hmm. you return everybody. You should in theory have a team that I'm not even going to say can compete with Houston, but a team that shouldn't get beat by 33 by Houston and lose yeah. and score 15. In, it was, it was 15 to 44 at halftime in 20 minutes, Texas state put up a fight against LSU. Yeah. And Rice is over here getting their doors kicked in five minutes into the game. You can't even hang with Houston for five minutes. Yeah. Like you're just going to just roll over. It's the, it's a coaching discrepancy. It's not even, I'm not going to say it's a huge talent disparity It is a coaching discrepancy. It's a culture discrepancy. And it mm. just, this Rice team, I'm, I'm out. I'm sold. It's really? Like, Already? I'm out. We, we had oh. the comparison Rice and UTEP. I give me UTEP every single day, every day of the year, every single Man. day. That that UTEP team is gonna eat this right team's lunch. <laughs> you're this. It's, it's two games into the year, and you're I'm already done. sold on rice. I'm done. Oh man, see, oh, they, I have to say. watch, watch this. They have like an easy stretch of the schedule coming up, and you're gonna be back in by the time they play. They're gonna Texas. lose some of them. They they they're gonna play like U L Monroe or someone, and they're watch. watch. They're this is an easy schedule. They're gonna be okay. They're gonna be fine. I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> Look at the schedule. They got I, so I'm looking at Texas State and Texas, and then UNT. Before, that's conference. Are they going to be like, Texas State? They, no, I'm saying they're, they're they're probably not. But like, I'm that's the only that's the only game I'm worried about. That in Texas. Oh my God! What is Texas going to do to them? <laughs> what is Texas going to do to these poor guys? <laughs> that's a that's a 40 point game. Oh, I'm telling Texas, you, they're going to play one of these games. To, they're going to shoot. They better like be 40. Texas State then. They better They're be gonna Texas shoot State. like 40, 42 percent from three. They're gonna hit like twenty in a game. It's They're gonna be like, oh man, Texas Rice State. is back. Come on, it's two Texas games. State. Come on now. Come on now. Texas State. They better be Texas State. That's all I'll say. All right. If they be talk to me if they beat Texas State. <laughs> okay. Or if okay. they don't lose by forty to Texas. Oh my God, that's just such a frustrating result. So when I when I saw that, I was like, man, I saw that at halftime. I was like, you can't, you can't get. This is embarrassing. Fifteen points against any team in the country. You're rice, and that's your all you can do is score the ball, and you can't score the ball. All right, cool. All right, uh, next team SMU and Oregon. Uh, SMU wasn't just just kind of wasn't able to hang with them, it kind of stayed at 20 the entire game, uh, or not the entire game, but kind of in the second half. And mm-hmm. you look at the box score, Zach Nuttall, 30 minutes off the bench, granted, goes 0 for, 0 for 8 and with no assists or with one assist, two turnovers. Um, Tristan Clark, 18 minutes off the bench. Like we said, six minutes or six points, three rebounds. They start JC again, 15, 15 minutes. It's kind of like, he's just a lame duck starter kind of there, just waiting to like kind of come out to a degree. They start Weathers, uh, Michael Weathers, uh, with Kendrick Davis, Eric Bendemel and, uh, Marcus, uh, it's Michael and Marcus, right? Those are the two yes. first names. Yeah. I got yep. it. Right. Michael and Mark, Michael and Marcus. They started both the Weathers, um, but they he played 10 guys double digit minutes and i don't know if he needs to have that deep of a rotation 
to be yeah, completely honest. I, Kendrick I Davis, last it. thing, last thing. Kendrick Davis goes two of eight from the field, one of six from three, five assists, only nine points in 31 minutes. If Kendrick Davis ha- goes has a nine-point game going two of eight, they're not going to win any games with him. That's, that's very true. I, I, I don't mind <clears throat> I don't mind not all off the bench. I think in theory that works. Yeah. I probably would have put probably I I it was gonna be him or Weathers off the bench, uh Michael Weathers, I think. Um, but I don't I don't mind Zach not all. I, I think that me and you as as just fans would have wanted to see those guys starting, but I do think that second unit needs something. And so I'm kind of wondering if he's maybe getting used to that role that bench role. Cause obviously you come, you come in from Sam, you come in from being the Southland player of the year, you know, you're probably just used to being the dude. And then all of a sudden you got to kind of be a spark plug off the bench and instantly kind of scoring. So I'm wondering if he's pushing a little bit, cause you know, he's, he's an efficient scorer. He's not somebody who should be putting up, you know, like yeah. what oh, going over. Um, so that's something to put a little, a little pin in just, uh, just kind of keep an eye on Tristan Clark. I think will work his way into the lineup. I think they're just being pretty cautious with him so far. Yeah, um, and Oregon's a good team. Don't yeah, no, anything, exactly. exactly anything away from them. That's a top 15 team. That's a legitimate top 15 team. So losing by 20 doesn't shock me, but I see. This how, was kind of the question, right? Trying to figure out how to work these pieces together. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. That's that's going to be the, the interesting thing here. And Kendrick Davis has, has to be better. You know, yeah, 100%. Came back for the reason to raise his draft stock. And so you got to show out in those big games. Um. <laughs> Let's get to another embarrassing conference USA school. UTSA loses to Oklahoma 96 to 44. They scored 10 points in the first half. Um, I, we don't even have to talk about this game in any depth. I'm just, just wanted to just highlight UTSA being as bad as we thought they were going to be. Yeah. This is, that was, it's not even a good Oklahoma team. So it's not even, yeah, no, it's not. Um, Tarleton. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. continues to surprise us here. Uh, they end up losing by 26, but in the second half, it was a 10 point game. It was an eight point game to Kansas. I didn't even say this. Yeah. They end up losing to Kansas 88 to 62. And I don't remember what the score was when I texted you mm-hmm. at all, but let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah. It, it, I think it was an eight point game when I, when I texted it was down you. six, it was down, <laughs> it was down six. six. Yeah. It was down to six. Um, and Tarleton and yeah, at halftime, it was, 39-31 Kansas. Uh, Montre Gibson ends up with 19-6-3. and three. He looks like he's a legit guy. Uh, Bogues ends up with 20 points on 8-19 shooting. Small ends up with 12 points, played all 40 minutes. See, this is a t- Charleston team that <laughs> played six guys over five minutes. Nobody else played any minutes. Uh, Small played 40, Gibson 39, Bogues 40, Daniel 34, and then they they rotated their other guard spot a little bit. So yeah, they might not be deep. They might not be great, but they're gonna. God, not, I think they're they're gonna frustrate some people in the whack. I will say, like I think this is still a team that probably hovers near the middle slash bottom. But this is gonna be a team where you look back on the year and you're like, oh, they beat SFA. You know, like they yeah. like you just look back or not SFA, but like ACU or something, right? Yeah. Um, well, they got SFA, they got SFA once this year, but like you know what I'm you know what I mean? They're gonna knock off a couple teams. You're like, oh man, and they might end up with like a 500-ish record. I don't know what we had them going, but like, I I don't know. Like this, it shows what having an experienced coach like a Billy Gillespie does to a program, where you're just like, okay, you're just trying to find your footing in D1. 
And it, it you're going to pick off some people because we you know we talked about the Stanford game. They only lost by 12 to Stanford. Like, yep. The, and this is their schedule doesn't get easier. They get Wichita State, Michigan, Gonzaga. Like, they're going to be bloodied up by the time that conference schedule rolls around. And then they're finally getting Dixie State. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this is they're not Gonzaga. Like, you know, like, yeah. Um, I don't have anything else in this one, but Tarleton State, yep. shout out to them yeah. for once again putting up a fight against um, a high major team more than other teams can say. All right. Um, real quick, Baylor rolled over UIW 87 to 60. Don't have anything on that, really. Uh, yeah, Sam- I, mean, I, just, I noticed the uh, – I just want to hit on the starting lineup a little bit. Um, Akinjo, Flagler, Mayer, Kendall Brown, freshman getting in there, and Flo Thamba started. Uh, Jeremy Sochan coming off the bench, 10 points, another freshman. And uh, Jonathan Chamachachua was the bit, the big off the bench. So um, they're about, they look about eight deep. So of course not, not last year's team by any means when there was 10, 11 deep, but um, still banner night, uh, you know, they hung, they hung the championship banner. So um, impressive, impressive day for them. So just wanted to hint on some of the guys that got in. Yeah. Uh, Sam Houston state, another team that puts up a fight with, uh, played with Nebraska uh, and was leading, were leading at halftime, 32 to 27, end up losing 74 to 65. We mentioned it before the show, Savion flag, Texas A&M transfer puts up 31 points with 11 rebounds. Uh, he's a dude. He's, that he's, was, yeah. he's a dude who can play at a high major level when oh, 100%. needs him. And I know uh, Nebraska in the second half just kind of, they finally got going. Um, they hit up. They hit like a couple of uh, big kind of momentum swinging and ones. And I watched. I caught some of the game after I got home, and, and it just kind of got away from them towards the end. Uh, Nebraska, of course, that's Fred Hoiberg, right? I'm not tripping. I think that's still Fred Hoiberg. Yes, I'm, I'm always. Um, and you know that shows him. He was able to adjust because Sam Houston was going at him. They had no answer for Savion Flag, especially in that first half. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, credit to Sam for <clears throat> battling in, in Lincoln and kind of making them, uh, force their hand a little bit towards the end. Yeah. I'm just looking at the box court, Tristan, Tristan Eek pay 26 minutes. You would have liked to get more from him. Your, your other guys, Dante powers, yeah. three points, Demarcus Lampley, seven points on two of 14 shooting. Yeah. Obviously. Lampley hit a big shot in the, uh, in early second half, but, um, uh, but yeah, he was, he struggled the rest of the, the basically yeah. the rest of the game. Yeah. You know, it's about the, the craziest thing is every time you look at one of these games between a, you know, high major, mid major, uh, it's just a free throw disparity. Nebraska gets to line 36 times, Sam Houston 16. And that's <laughs> usually just where the difference is, um, both men's and women's. So, you know, it's tough to overcome that, but a uh, good effort from Sam Houston. And it's interesting to see Savion flag already lighting it up over there. And last for the men's, I have written down Texas State loses to uh, St. Mary's 67 to 58. I'm sorry, Texas Southern. Did I say Texas? Yeah, you said Texas State. Okay, Texas Southern hangs with St. Mary's. And so that's another good result for for them. Um, I don't – what was the, the first game that they played that we covered? I have it right here. Texas Southern men's loses to Oregon 83 to 66. So then they played St. Mary's and hung with them too. So that's back-to-back games of hanging in there as well. So another hang in there candidate. I don't really have <laughs> hang in there candidate. <laughs> that's 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 what we're hanging that's what around. We're, that's what we're gonna call them. <laughs> hanging, uh, hanging around. I mean they're 0-3 at this point. 
uh, with I losses. I mean, yeah, you know, especially like HBCUs and SWAC, they typically schedule really tough in non-conference. Yeah, exactly. So I'm exactly. not too worried. Exactly. John Walker puts up 15 again. PJ Henry uh, with 13, you know, solid showing. They, they were winning at halftime, you know, not to, to continue the trend of Texas teams leading at halftime right. as underdogs. <laughs> so um, if you, if you want to go bet the first half on these Texas, go ahead. <laughs> Because they'll, they'll win the first half. All right. Um, let's get to our quote-unquote game of the day picked by Ish. Jeez. Uh, not picked <laughs> oh, by okay, this guy. <laughs> I have the text. I have the text. You have the t- You sent the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey, which of these games is the game of the day? He said, oh, no doubt. <laughs> SFA Houston women's. I was like, all right. You're the boss. You're the boss. I'm not going to challenge all right, all right. you. You're the guy. So um, what we ended up getting was Stephen F. Austin proving that they are Stephen F. Austin yeah, and just putting their foot down and beating Houston 73 to 52, outscoring them. Let me do some quick math. Outscoring them 43 to 26 in the second half. Um, And it, uh, we really thought Houston would be a little more competitive in this one. I'm not going to lie. A Houston team that returned a lot of talent had a, has a pretty good backcourt with uh, Gladney on Uh They bring Layla Blair off the bench. Uh, Patterson at, at four, at the four position ends up leading them and scoring with 13 points and 13 shots. I, I, I see, I didn't, I didn't watch the game, but this, I feel like there's no reason why, if you just look at the personnel, why Houston couldn't have been more competitive, besides the fact that SFA, is built for it. I was about to say, I think that's just my, I, I, I'm trying to parse how, how disappointed I am with Houston with just how good SFA just might be. Um, you know, I knew we'd obviously knew they'd be one of the top, if not the top mid major in the country, but I mean, they basically won with, I'm trying to think Stephanie Vischer only had. Yeah. I'm trying to think how many points does she have? Eight. It's only eight points. Stephanie, your best player only has eight points, and you, Dom, and Brianna Mitchell, 15, Ayanna Johnson, 17, Aaliyah Johnson off the bench with 14, Angel Scott with 11. Like, they don't even need, they didn't even need their best player. Like, Zaya Nugent had uh, six yes. points. Like, your two leading scorers have eight and six points, and you win by over 20. Like, and it's a machine, right? That, I mean, there's only so many ways we can say that this team's just a, a machine. 18 assists as a team. Um, they shot. 50 almost 60 percent from two um they didn't need the three-point line basically uh and yeah i don't know this i mean geez just and again this is a team this is theoretically a tournament team right a team that we think got gypped from the tournament last year with with houston um and sfa is blown them out by 20 and so this is a game that also sfa lost last year so this i mean if they're turning a new leaf if this is houston taking a step back but i don't know they're returning basically everybody or if this is sfa turning kind of a new dominant leaf like i don't know i'm really long story short they uh sfa gets AM in college station next week i will be at that game i am very fascinated to see how that game goes boom uh real quick uh stephen f austin ends the game with 17 steals uh, Stephen F. Austin ends the game with 18 assists. Texas only has, or I'm sorry, Houston only has six assists. Uh, Houston yeah. shoots three of 16 from three. And Stephen F. Austin only played one player over 27 minutes, and that was Brianna Mitchell. And nobody else played over, tw- over 27 minutes. Uh, Vischer, 27. Nugent, 21. Johnson, 25. Uh, they played three, their three bench players played 19, 19, and 24. They are legitimately eight deep. 
This is, are... And this is an SFA team that lost two rotation players, like uh, Marissa Banfield and Alyssa Mayfield. Like, that's legitimately two players that were playing 20 plus minutes last year, and they just moved more. <laughs> There's like, it's just up in the pecking order now. Like, it's that's nuts. Yep. Um, and it, it is a disappointing result for Houston. Uh, Layla Blair goes one of six from the field, Gladney one of five, Onyeje two of eight. I mean, but. At a certain point, we have to credit Stephen F. Austin's defense for just continuing to be really good. So both ends of the court, SFA is SFA, a really good team. Yeah. Last but not least, Baylor and UT Arlington from Thursday, 81 to 54 54 win for Baylor. Um, UT Arlington hung around initially. I think they were only down six in the at the end of the first half and then Baylor kind of puts it on in the second half outscoring mm-hmm. them 43 to 21 but uh what, what were some of your takeaways from from this one yeah the first half I was a little worried again about Baylor um I was like okay well is this a team that we're gonna have to start talking about their ceiling a little bit just because UTA again UTA is a really good team and I think that Justin tweeted and we'll probably have him on one of our uh, upcoming shows um to talk about it he talked about how UTA and now Texas State, two Sunbelt teams, came out looking pretty okay. And does that mean yeah. that the Sunbelt's going to be a little deeper this year, top to bottom? Uh, maybe. Or at the top, at least, it's going to be very competitive. I think that's a legitimate possibility. But, you know, Baylor is a team that <clears throat> there would, there are like five teams in the country. To, it's almost like no matter who they play, unless it's each other, they're blowing teams out by 20 or 30, right? And Baylor is one of those teams. And so when they're hang, when they're having UTA hang around, you're kind of wondering, okay, is this after, especially after last week against Texas State, okay, are we going to have to start worrying a little bit? Granted, second half is the second half more indicative of the Baylor team that we're going to be seeing. I think maybe, um, but I think that slow start again. They only played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. seven basically, only eight players under they they. You know, some players touch the floor, you know, four, three, two minutes. But for the most part, six, seven players again. Um, it's not a deep team. And I'm wondering how long they can kind of keep doing that. You know, so I'm, it's, I don't know, just again, something to put a little pin in. Um, Kalen Bickle's still their only forward really off the bench. So we'll um, see. Queen Egbo ends the game with six points. Yeah. Uh, in 19 minutes and they shoot 25 threes. Once again, they go nine to 25 from three. That's the difference this time is that they actually yeah. made threes. Um, That's going to be a big difference this year, right? It's like they're going to, they're shooting more and yeah. they're going to need to shoot more. So yeah. Asbury and Lewis alone combined go eight of 18 from three. Um, Melissa Smith, eight of nine from the field though. I mean, 21 points, 16 rebounds, two blocks, two steals. This, this is going to be like, I think this is going to be, a souped up version of what the Charlie Collier year was last year, where you're like, she puts up, she's going to put up like a 38 and 15 uh, game or something <laughs> on paper. This Baylor team should be better than that Texas team. Like, significantly oh yeah, sure. Better. No, hundred like, percent. That's why I said like a souped up version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Souped up version is, is a yeah. good way to put it. Cause like just play through Nelissa Smith every time. Oh, down. Um, and I'm going to watch more of this Baylor team, but uh Bickle played, and I don't think, and I don't really understand why, but Bickle played 29 minutes. uh, Egbo played 19 minutes. It didn't look like Egbo was in foul trouble. She only ended with two fouls. So I don't know what exactly happened there, uh, but 
maybe they wanted to stretch stretch UTA out. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit of spacing because um, Bickle is a little bit more of a stretch stretch than or definitely more of a stretch than Eggbo. Um, so maybe it's just a spacing issue. I'm curious to see how that kind of goes because, of course, Mulkey in the past was was more okay playing. You know, just like cramping the paint. Um, yeah. If if Nikki Collin is somebody that wants to space space that out a little bit coming from the WNBA, mm, we'll see. Kamaria McDaniel played four minutes. I don't know what to make of that. But again, she's she's coming back. She's also probably coming back from. I mean, she missed last year, right? If I'm not mistaken, with injury. Yes. 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 Um. So they could be nursing her. I think her. Uh, this Baylor team's too shallow t- uh, in terms of like depth for them to be like. For them to just say, "Yeah, we're just not going to play Kamaria McDaniel," you know. So I think they might just be nursing her back. Yeah. All right. That's all we got. Uh, you want to do a. Uh... Yeah, do you want to call them parting shots, or do you want? To yeah, I was about to say, like, we were trying to figure out what to call this segment. We don't want to rip off the sports or, reporters. Or one but... more thing. No, see, I don't think people remember the sports reporters. They definitely do. <laughs> Are you calling me old? What's what's going on? <laughs> All right. Oh, one 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 thing to remember. One or one. I don't remember. What, what Whatever. We'll we'll call it the working title here. Um, <laughs> basically, one thing to just kind of keep an eye on for go. the future. For me. Um, it's Texas Tech men. And again, this is just two games into the year. And so far they've looked pretty okay, but they've allowed 74 and 62 points to North Florida and Grambling State. Aside from their loss to Houston last year, they did not allow 70 and 60 points until January 2nd against Oklahoma State, uh, where they lost, they, they gave up 82 points and they lost to Kansas State where they gave up 71 or they beat Kansas state where they, beat, they gave up 71 on January 5th. So two games where they've already given up more that I'm trying to think comparing to last year, they gave up 50, 58 and 52 to Northwestern state and Sam Houston, just a little pin because they are playing a more offensive team. Obviously we talked about Bryson Williams and uh, um, Kevin O'Banner in the front court. And I'm wondering if, if, if uh, uh, Mark Adams is maybe just, sacrificing a little bit on defense to add more scoring. I don't know. We'll see because their efficiency on defense is still 12th in the country, but their efficiency field, their effective field goal percentage defense is dropped to 265 right now. Their three point percentage really we'll see again, 45% they're allowing from three so far. Yep. We'll see just two games, but they're not exactly the toughest two games, North Florida and Grambling state. So Put a little pin in them. They got Prairie View coming up. They'll win that game, but Prairie View is a team where if you have some flaws, the box score and the game will kind of show that a little bit. Um, Again, they'll win. They'll be fine. But Tennessee on December 7th and Gonzaga on December 18th, we'll see where those games go because if this is a team with some defensive holes, I don't know if they have enough scoring to be able to match teams like that. All right, my one thing to take away, or one thing to take with you, I guess, uh, is going to be the Texas men's, and I, we didn't preview Texas men's versus Gonzaga, but the one thing I'm looking forward to seeing here is, is Texas going to just score with them, right? Chris Beard mm-hmm. is the head coach, but good Lord, he has a lot of offensive talent. Gonzaga, know. we know a lot of offensive talent. Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, they return Andrew Nimhart as well, among uh, other talented players on that team. Gonzaga is probably going to put up 75, 80 without even trying. Is Gonzaga, is Texas comfortable in that position? Is Texas going to be, have the talent 
and I mean the personnel to get up and down a little bit more this year, or is it going to, or is beer going to try to turn it into a more half court, more of a half court game. You obviously have Ramey Jones and Carr in their backcourt. You trust them. You trust them to um, handle the pace of the game at any point, but what are your forwards going to do against Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy? That's a big question I have. Timmy Allen, we know is a solid player. Christian bitch, Christian Bishop, Trey Mitchell, solid players, solid forwards, but it's just, it might be a little different. It might be a little different here going against Gonzaga. So I am worried about Texas going into this game because of what Gonzaga returns and because of what I think Gonzaga can do on offense. But it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big sign here. It's going to be a big, uh, a big game here to, to figure out what this Texas team actually is here. So um, I think they keep it close for a bit. And if they can pull it out, we might be looking at top five team in the country. I was about to say, like, this is this Texas team has a lot of hype behind. I basically penciled them. Oh, hold on, I think my mic fell. This Texas team is a we have them as a national title contender. Um, theoretically, I penciled them in as somebody who should be disappointed if they don't make an elite eight. You don't bring this roster together, you don't bring Chris Beard in and not have those kind of expectations. So, I think this is a game where if they get blown out. You know, again, it's early. Things can change and, and teams can kind of gel together. But if, they, if this is a t- game where they get blown out, I start to question that a little bit. Yeah, I don't even know what the spread is right now for this game. But I, I, just, I do not either. Um, I think Ken Palm. Let me see. I can bring up Ken Palm. I watched I watched Villanova and UCLA a bit last night. And I was like, Ken okay. Palm has a 10 point swing for uh, basically 80 to 70 is their projected score. Yeah. For see, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Gonzaga is going to be up there in the 70 or in the 80s. Yeah. And Texas is going to have to score with them. Chris Beard's in in an interesting position here because while even though they made a championship game at Texas Tech, this is this is different. And we said that on on the preview podcast. So I'm interested to see how they do and in the play style and how these guards handle it and how they contain, if at all, Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. I don't know if that's possible, but we will see if it is. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that's my uh, thing to, to watch. All right. All right, man. Uh, that's all we got for y'all today. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Uh, we will be back probably on Tuesday to recap the eventful weekend in college basketball. Like I said, Texas men's, Texas women's both have marquee games, and I'm sure there's other games that we haven't even talk, talked about or looked at yet. But check out our Twitter at DCT Basketball. Follow us on on there follow Ish on twitter at ishmael r johnson follow me on twitter at matthew Bruni underscore leave us a like rating and review on apple follow us wherever you get your podcasts check us out at textbasketball.com and yeah thank you all for joining us we'll talk to y'all later